As production seemed to be springing into life again, the prospect of going back to work post-Covid can seem daunting to many of us. With numerous protocols and guidelines to consider, and much of the responsibility resting on us, the producers, understanding what these new rules really mean in practice is essential. So, how many producers does it take to run a safe production? It was the first time I'd been in a room with anyone that I wasn't related to. It was just terrifying. I was so anxious and so tense the whole time. By the end of the day, I kind of got used to it. You arrive, someone measures your temperature. We've had to sign COVID forms. They assign us our own toilet to use. You've got to make sure we have hand sanitizer on hand. The biggest change is going to become when some people get complacent or might not feel certain things are necessary might not want to wear the face mask, might not want to agree to certain checks, might start relaxing a little bit too much. We were filming in a big space and yeah, we had the entrance door and some exit doors, which we all had to stick to. The other thing was keeping the clients apart. You don't really want to sort of step on their toes or anything, but everyone was crowding the monitor and there's us as the crew standing two metres apart whilst we're filming and the clients are all stood there around the monitor taking selfies that they're back on shoot again. Lindsay Lowe, who runs Duck Films, is getting to grips with a new way of filming and shares the reality of what this means for a production company. The company that I own and run is 10 in June and we do a phenomenal amount of shooting. Like as a production company, we get through on average about 100 jobs a year. So it's like two a week and inside those jobs, we can be doing anything up to like 50 and 60 films. And so we're constantly out. And so to suddenly come to a halt, it's just... You know, it's quite shocking first and foremost. And for me, it was kind of looking at how we're going to operate as a company. How, how can I look after my staff? How um, are we going to be able to work? How am I going to get all the money in that's owed to us as a company so that I can keep people going? And I think coming up to like the second month mark, that's the thing, that's the time when clients have started to say, how do we shoot and what do we do? How do we go about it? And so I just started to have lots of conversations with other people that are in production, looking at the APA, looking at places like Back to speaking with other producers. And then I had various conversations with my lawyer about what would happen, who's, you know, like, what, what should I be putting in place with my insurer? And then um, we were advised to write up like a lot of paperwork for each shoot from now on. So risk assessment gets beefier. We, we've written a full um, COVID-19 policy and then after speaking to our lawyer she advised just putting a few things into this this document so that um, you just need to show that you're sensible that you're working to or adhering to best practice policies and that you're kind of taking everything into consideration. We've been twinned with London Fashion Week for about seven years now so four times a year we move out of our offices and we shoot like up to 10, 12 runway shows a day each has like five, two to 500 people, which is basically not going to exist anymore. But we, you know, we take shoots and we're, we're filming with a phenomenal amount of people. So they were looking at models that can do their own makeup. So, um, or they were getting makeup artists on the phone, sending kit out to them if they've got time and then teaching them over the phone. So there's Lisa Eldridge and somebody else that's doing it. So they're teaching you how to do it and then you have to do your own. They're um, employing models from the same households or models that have been hunkering down together. They're using wigs a lot more. They're using wet look hair instead of drying hair. Um, they're styling by um, going in and setting up rails and then three days later a model goes in and then they have phone consultations and that's how they dress. What we've actually been doing just to kind of like test ourselves really is we've done a couple of shoots for um, friends. So last week was a really good test. So there was two people on the shoot. 
So we're really pulling back to skeletal crews. We just had one producer that was kind of running the shoot that was also now the COVID-19 like um, health and safety officer. She double checked that both the girls were feeling well the night before and the morning of the shoot and they spoke to one another and basically ticked a health sheet to say that they haven't got anything. And then they did that with the two people that we were shooting with as well. Then they traveled there in a sensible way um, there was PPE on set, there were things like hand sanitizers and gels and we took that for um, crew and for the people that we were kind of filming with. Half of the stuff was filmed outside and half of the stuff was filmed inside and that was kind of a successful shoot. But we have got paid shoots coming up now, our clients are slowly coming back in. There are just all these things that we're kind of super concerned about and just worried because normally when you're used to so many numbers being on set and all working together in close proximity, like Timeframes are going to be protracted. So maybe something that we would have shot that would have taken us a day might would probably go into, I would imagine, two days right now. So who's, you know, who's going to pay for that? And the one thing I'm really conscious of is reducing rates. And if I bring in freelancers, I'm not asking them to reduce rates. But from the client's perspective, they're paying for double, you know? So someone's reaping the costs somewhere. I think things are going to take much longer. And I think it will be really interesting to look at creative and look at how content changes you know i really really love my job i love what i do and i was thinking are we going to love what we do are we going to love what we do anymore health and safety is always important on productions but in the current situation ensuring that all protocols are implemented is paramount having a dedicated covid19 supervisor can help ensure all safety measures are adhered to throughout filming my name is Jay Lusser. I am a first assistant director working mostly in commercials. Um, I've also recently been working as a COVID supervisor on set. Having a first lady's background and being used to talking to you know, a wide variety of different personality types on a daily basis is a really useful tool. I mean, I have to say so far, compliance on set's been really good from my experience. Have had a couple of people who've been less compliant than others, but that often comes down to uh, it's not a deliberate thing and it's not a thing uh, a malicious thing it's generally a forgetting thing so it's about reminding people need to be reminded a lot what we found very useful is reframing the responsibility it's to say it's not about you as an individual but your actions have an effect upon everybody you're working with so it's about connecting the personal action to the effects on your colleagues and the community at large and that obviously that that connects with a lot of people and then they understand the need for compliance. I think if you're in a situation where somebody was being deliberately obstructive, then the producer would have to be involved um, in that conversation. I've had one situation on set where we needed to talk to the, the producer and just ask how they, want, how they wanted us to handle a situation to a formal warning. Obviously, producer would need to be involved with that because the ultimate ramification might be that that person would need to be removed from the set. I think last-minute shoots are going to be more difficult to put together and plan for properly. Um, there is a there is more work that needs to be put in in the planning stage, particularly in putting together the COVID-19 protocols for a shoot, um, because they are very they do need to be very detailed and they do need to examine the workflow that you're undertaking on. So it you need it, everyone needs to think about what's happening on a job at a more granular level and as we move forward and we all get more shoots under our belt that will become easier to do 
late changes do throw up a lot of work. We had, you know, I've had one shoot recently where a location changed uh, a couple of days before the shoot, and that obviously involved another recce, a re-examination of the workflow in that location, re-examining of cleaning protocols, you know, the 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 occupancy levels in that you know, in that property, where the you know where the where they were going to go, how we were going to manage all sorts of things around that property. So it wasn't as easy as it would be in previous times where you're really helpful at the moment to be brought into conversations at a much earlier stage um, to talk about the, the the concept of the shoot, what's trying to be achieved, and to then be put in touch with the COVID supervisor. The COVID supervisor needs to know even quite simple things, access in and out of a in and out of a location or studio, one-way systems, where where sign-ins and checkpoints are happening, where the hand sanitizer stations need to go, and um, marking out areas for equipment, understanding room capacities. It's certainly not the case that a COVID supervisor would just turn up on the day and you know and and be able to effectively do their job without you know without preparing in advance. Um, and so so there can be a conversation between the AD COVID supervisor producer and production manager to highlight to figure out if there are any pinch points and if there are any difficult things which might need to be further considered or altered to help the shoot move forward in the best way um, there is a bit there is more prep in this because of those conversations what we found so far is that compliance particularly around PPE works much better if the people at the top of the tree are following all the rules. If you can see your heads of department doing what's being asked of them, then they are much more likely to do that as well. So that sort of top-down compliance is a is, is very, very helpful in the current climate. Particularly the first time going back on set, people are carrying an extra level of stress. They are carrying even some fear about what's going to happen when they get onto set and how safe are they going to be and how is it going to work. But so a real important message in this situation is that everyone should be more should be patient. Everyone needs to have that patience with each other, and be kind to each other, look out for each other, and talk to each other about the processes that need to go on. It feels like some of the new guidelines seem to raise more questions than give answers. So we spoke to Paul Greaves from First Option and Spencer McDonald from Beck2 to help answer some of your queries. What should the risk assessments cover nowadays under COVID? Well, I think the point, the point about the risk assessment is to work through the key planks of the sort of defence mechanism against COVID. So it's about some level of health screening. It may be about putting in place actually a formal process where you get people to sign. And lots of productions are doing this where they say, you know, they're not, they haven't had the symptoms. They haven't been in contact with anyone with the symptoms etc etc and if they if they do develop the symptoms they won't come to work and they'll or they'll let you know if they're at work and they'll they'll be prepared to go home then you need to figure out in the risk assessment how you're going to do what you need to do and adhere to the distancing rules um and 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 that that's more complicated than it sounds it's not just about working out you know can you do what you do and stay two meters apart but it's about how you're going to organize the space how are you going to organize the people in the space? How are you going to organize the workflow so that you keep the people in the space, the number of the people in the space to a minimum so that you can abide by the rules? For those things where you really can't do two meters apart, you know, what are you going to do about those? 
and how are you going to tackle that? So I think that whole distancing thing is 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 really important to think through. And as you say, you get very quickly you get into quite a lot of detail about that. How are these scripts going to put that dolly on that on that rail? You know, how's that? focus puller going to work with that cameraman and then you need to work out the other big leg of this is hygiene so what are people going to do about hygiene how are they going to you know maintain good hygiene how are you going to keep the space hygienic how are you going to keep kit hygienic especially kit that has to be shared between people or handled by a number of people and all that kind of thing so that takes you right into the realm of you know, apart from all the technical equipment, but props and electronic equipment, mics and, and earpieces and all that kind of thing. A very big thing that we're very keen on is ventilation, because if you look at the evidence of, of particularly events where there's a lot of people being infected at once, it's always because they're in a confined space. Even if you're keeping the social distance, actually you can still create the hazard in those sort of spaces. So ventilation is really important. and. And then the final thing is, um, you know, how are you putting in place your plans for what happens if somebody is, does, you know, come down with it and how you react and how you're going to manage the sort of people that they've been in close contact with and that kind of thing. And the important thing, of course, is that that's not a sort of dry paper exercise, which then gets put in a drawer. But then out of that comes some very practical things which you can tell everybody this is what we need to do and this is how we're going to organize it. You mentioned something about ventilation as part of the kind of the risk <laughs> assessment. Now a lot of us, a lot of producers are looking into doing shoots in studios but the problem with studios there's no ventilation. How can we overcome that? The first thing you should do is have a conversation with with the studio or you know the studio management and say you know what what are you doing about air conditioning, ventilation and all the rest of it to minimize the risk. So it may be that, you know, you do have to adopt, adapt your working practices and you do have to make sure that in between each, you know, you break up production for there to be a time when the doors are pushed open and the breeze is allowed to get through and people are allowed to go outside and walk around and you just, you know, make sure you're getting a good exchange of air through the place. It matters on location. It matters in houses, you know, where you're shooting in rooms and you know you need to make sure that you can throw open the windows occasionally and that kind of stuff and I know that's not always easy because quite often they have you know light screens and blackouts and all the rest of it all around it it's all heavily rigged but you need to avoid creating those um, environments where that can happen and the big risk I think is in two things in fixed rig uh, productions where you've got a lot of people sitting in galleries and in edit suites for long periods of the day. Second thing is in post-production, which is the same sort of thing. Roles like makeup artist, script supervisor, costume, where maintaining social distance from others isn't as easy. Um, are there any specific protocols or rules in place for these departments? So the, the British Film Commission uh, guidance for um, high-end telly and major motion pictures that that has got some guidance in there in terms of those particular departments um, however we've done a more detailed more granular um, description in terms of what you can put in place to to mitigate those risks um, so that's on the back to return to work document um, it's very detailed in fact and it's been done by practitioners so people who are actually having to do this work on a day-to-day -day basis and that's available on you know, the Beck2 website and that is very detailed for all the departments. So not just, you know, hair and makeup and costume, but right across 
uh, everyone from who's a runner all the way up to you know producer director what qualities would you say um that i need to look out for a cover to provide yeah so that that's a good question we think that you need someone with a bit of production background and production experience uh, with a with a, a certain level of of experience and authority in order to you know engage with the crew at all levels and communicate and and manage them to to make sure all these things are being done so we think covid supervisor needs to have those three things they need to have done the, have the covid knowledge they need to have the basic health and safety knowledge and we also think they need to be of sufficient experience and personality if you like to be effective in implementing it's an important role we think and, and one that we should get the right person for we see the role of the COVID supervisor much more about someone on set or on location who can be an extra production person really to make sure that all these extra things are implemented and that people understand what they need to do and that if people aren't doing it they get told they should be doing it and sometimes people are saying oh well can the COVID supervisor come on the tech recce and write the risk assessment we're saying not really because that's you really need a properly trained health and safety person to do that. When you get to the shoot, then it may be that a COVID supervisor is all you need. One producer found that in the prep stage for an upcoming shoot, everyone was super compliant and willing to observe the safety rules. But as soon as the government eased their restrictions, she felt that there was an obvious shift in attitudes. Um, and she wanted to know if there were any tips on approaching the easing of safety measures as a producer, um, because she still feels aware that there is a pandemic and it isn't over. I think there's always a risk, isn't there, that, you know, people initially, you know, in all circumstances tend to try and do, you know, the right thing. And then, you know, before very long, they all slip back into, you know, their old ways. But I think it's, it's making sure that they don't just think, well, actually, the guidelines are there, everyone's read them, so they're all going to follow them. There needs to be, you know, on the ground, uh, on both ways, up and down, you know, to make sure there's good communication between all levels to see that the guidelines are, you know, implemented. And there's some really good practices that are going on. And I think that, you know, all productions should try and pull those resources in terms of sharing, you know, the good practices. Because I think that just helps keep the level of, um, you know, risk down. Um, because if they can see that, you know, they've managed to put those, um, you know, practices in place, people have complied with it, and have managed to, you know, reduce the uh, transmission rates, then I think that's going to help. So we talked about doing some kind of a health assessment prior to the shoot. We've heard about people having to sign disclaimers saying, if I contract COVID on this production, then the production company is not responsible. Just to clarify, do these equate to the same thing? The first thing to say is you, you can't um, delegate uh, and abrogate the responsibility for safety on anything under English law. You can't say, oh, we've got a safety advisor, it's their responsibility. Under the UK health and safety law, the responsibility for health and safety always rests with the management of the activity. The health declaration is just a mechanism of you doing that and being able to demonstrate that you've done it. Signing a waiver to say, if I catch COVID on this on this production, uh, I won't hold you responsible. Is um, is something that people do. It's it's it, the basic thing is in in certainly in UK law, you can't sign away your rights by getting people to sign a waiver. It doesn't reduce the management responsibilities one jot. If somebody is contracts COVID, has to take two weeks off to self isolate, then is 
fit and able to come back to set, are they able to reclaim their role? Does their original booking or agreement still stand? We'd expect though productions to do the honourable thing. Um, so it's not a contractual issue, it's more of an honourable thing. So we'd expect them to, to you know, have that individual back because if that individual was expected to be working on that production for the period of time, but for unfortunate circumstances beyond their control, they've had to uh, self-isolate or whatever the circumstances might be for a couple of weeks, then we'd hope the production would invite them back and take them back on. If you are offered a, a role lower than your usual day rate, and obviously people haven't been working for a while now, so they're happy to get work, What's the kind of, what do you do? What can you do or what should you do? Our line, and we're quite clear on this, is that they must and should, you know, pay the right rates. Because it's critical probably more than ever that they do get, you know, the right individuals in at the moment. And to do that, you need to pay the right money. What seems to be the recurring concerns or the recurring themes that people are worried about in terms of going back to production? I guess the, the one, it's probably one word actually, trust. Um, do they trust, you know, the the the, um, the productions enough that they will actually implement the guidance and make sure they are, you know, safe to return to the work? Uh, we've seen, you know, the guidance uh, and all the guidance is really good and really practical, but it's all theory. So I think the worry is in practice, will productions actually adhere to those? or will they just actually play lip service to those uh, guidance? Well, um, we're spending a lot of time talking about testing to enable close contact working. And that's a quite difficult issue because the reality is there are no foolproof tests. Plus, you know, the test is not very nice and is expensive and time consuming and the results take 48 hours to come back from most labs. So if you, you know, it's, it's complex, um, but it's really one of the only ways you can properly enable at least a small group of people to work seriously closely together. For me, the key principle is you, you have to focus on the significant risks. You know, you can't do everything. So you've got to identify what the most risky things are and tackle those and work your way down. We hope that we've been able to offer some clarity and give you the confidence to return to production safely. It may feel a little overwhelming right now, but it will get easier as more productions happen and this will all become second nature. Just remember to seek advice and stick to the rules to stay safe. Our team for this episode has been Arijal Sultan, Zakia Petty, Dana Trometer, Zoe Jones, Michaela Blitz and me, Rachel Jones. Thanks for listening.